0: My name is Nikki. My name is Charlie. And you're listening to
1: Bed, Bed Crime, crime stories, stories, a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. Now, before we go any further, I just want to let our listeners know that we're having slight technical difficulties when it comes to our audio recording this evening. So, you are going to be hearing myself and Nikki. We're using one microphone, and you're probably not going to hear from Jovi tonight, but she's here. She's in the room. Hi! We're just going to try and relay unless she screams at our faces again, we're just going to relay any messages that she might have for you our loyal listeners.
0: Why do I feel like I'm on Wayne's world?
1: I know. <laughs> oh my good God. lord. So this has been we've tried to start recording for like good hour now. We've been having all these sorts of like audio issues. My boyfriend has been in here cuz he's an IT dude and he's it's it's been mayhem. So We are coming to you. We did not want to skip out on you guys. We refuse to miss a week because we love you all so much. And we hope you love us, too. I think that's all I want to say. So, we are going to kick it over to Nikki for tonight's true
0: crime headlines. All right. So, my very first uh, true crime headline tonight comes from... What is, what is it that they do in Wayne's World? <laughs> um, New York Post murder victim forced to dig her own grave before being shot and buried on beach.
1: No, what? no, fuck that. Fuck all that noise. Yeah.
0: So this was posted December 7th, 2021. It says a woman was allegedly forced to dig her own grave on a beach before being gunned down and buried. It says, Amanda Albeck, 21, was dug up by cops after her killer reportedly confessed to murdering her after he was accused of uh, dealing drugs. Wow. Yeah.
1: So. That's beyond awful. hmm Wow.
0: Crazy. Yeah. Um, so I don't really want to go any more into that because it's actually very sad. But on to our next sad story of the night. <laughs> Yeah. But, well, I mean, this one's probably not sad. Um, so I don't think I've seen you guys since this has happened. Mm. But this is from the Insider. It was posted December 7th, 2021. And it says the charges against the parents of the suspect in the Oxford school shooting are rare. But legal experts say they're likely to stick. Mm. Now, have you guys fucking heard? Have uh, you heard? Watching, I've been
1: watching that entire this circus.
0: whole thing unfolding makes me so angry because yep. there were so many preventative things there were so could've. many red
1: flags there were so many red flags and then his just sticking their heads in the sand and I just they were there the day of the morning of yeah the fact that once the shooting began his mother texted him and said don't do this you had to know that your son was capable of doing this mm-hmm. like uh, the, the fact the actual fuck and the fact that they just dip, dip, like okay, here's 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 my problem, okay. The fact that you fled, bad enough, bad enough that all of this shit happened, right? Now, on top of all of this, you're leaving your kid high and dry. Now, I'm not saying you're obviously your kid is guilty, right? Obviously, doy, mm-hmm. but. On top of all of this, now not only are you not only shitty parents, like I'm sorry, let's be frank, but now you're like double crap parents because now you're leaving and leaving him in jail by himself. He's what, 15 years old? Mm-hmm. 14
0: years old? 15. 15. Like what the fuck, man? Fucking calculated disgust fucking disgusting like they can't f- to the point that students were saying that he was pretending to be a cop to get them to I open the, the door video.
1: i didn't see that no, deep into no i saw it. the video and it was fucking terrifying because they be, like he would say open the police and say blah blah and they were like no and then he was like come on bro or he said like a uh, nickname at the end and the, and the student was like no that's not a cop he would not talk like that and they ran yeah. out the back door and they ran to another door in school to safety it was the it get, like even talking about it gave me chills mm-hmm. I can't even imagine no and there's so much that I would like to say but I am not while i am a smart person i will give myself the pat on the back to know that i am an educated and smart human being i am not smart enough to say things in the right way that's going to come across without me sounding like a total asshole so all i will say is that this is so disgusting and so sad and it is i am so fucking sick and tired of this happening over and over Mm -hmm. again i am so sick and i don't have children and i'm Not only do I not want kids, I'm thankful I don't have them because I cannot even fucking, I feel so much empathy to the parents that exist today and have kids in schools that have to think that this could be a possibility. They send their kids out into the world
0: every day to go to school where you should be fucking safe and learning and this is a risk that they have to take every day so our old man well your old manager my current manager mm-hmm. um her and I were speaking I don't remember what had brought it up but she had talked about buying like a thing to put in her son's book bag to basically like protect him and shield him if like a sh- and it's like that's fucking crazy that you have to like think that far in advance and I was like, this is why I don't want children. There's so many fucked up things in this world that just, like, could happen to them.
1: Yeah. Jovi and I were sophomores in high school when Columbine happened.
0: And I remember
1: thinking that that was such... And now, obviously, I'm not saying that that was the first ever... I think it was an ever, elementary
0: or middle school. Yeah, and I'm
1: not saying that was the first ever school shooting. We know that that's happened before. Uh, mm-hmm. Duh, right? Obviously, we know that's happened before. But Columbine was obviously the first, like, in modern history, huge case of and it being super in the news and at the forefront of conversation and what have you and like I said we were sophomores in high school when that happened and I just remember it being like in the weeks following thinking to yourself well it could possibly it could never possibly happen here and then having that secondary thought of but it totally could Right. You look around and you're like, it absolutely could. It could happen everywhere. And I can't even imagine. I cannot possibly fathom the fear that our parents had every single day sending us off to school, not knowing what we were facing that day. And it just it makes me absolutely sick to my stomach.
0: It's just sad that it's such a like, I feel like it's such a common thing to happen between school and workplaces and things like that to where it's like, yep. Those are like, especially like with work, I'm like, I feel like those are a safe space. Yeah. Because when you're there you 40 hope. plus hours a week, mm-hmm. it's like your second home. Well, I remember when, when we did work together,
1: Nikki, um, it, was after one, it was after one of the many workplace shootings that happened. Oh, And yeah. having a conversation with our boss and him trying to say to us, okay, w- let's come up with a plan. Let's figure out what us in this group will have to do to make sure that we all get out of here safely. Mm-hmm. And together and make sure that we're all looking out for one another and like the fact that you have to have that conversation and still at my workplace now every single location you go to of my company that I work for now there's an escape plan when you go to that location and you work out of that location you have to know where to go what to do how to respond it's just the fact that that it's not just fire safety anymore kids like it this has gone way beyond stop drop and roll mm-hmm it's absolutely sickening and like i said i you know as a person who's a just generally smart human being I, that's all i'm gonna say about
0: it because i, just, I could
1: I, I could rail on it for i hours. listen
0: to you say that and then i'm like i just say what comes to my mind <laughs> f this and f that yeah but I, f this, f, this.
1: <laughs> f all this it's all fucking burning to the ground i'm gonna I just,
0: what is it ross keller
1: yeah we're all doing, you. this is not a visual medium, so you don't know what we're doing. But if you've ever seen Friends, you know what we're doing.
0: Yes all right well on that happy note
1: for getting you revved up no it's all right it's all right I was actually honestly I'm not going to lie to you pulling up my true crime headlines for our next episode we're going to record because I don't know if you guys have figured this out yet we record two episodes a night I'm sure you probably figured it out by now but when we record the next episode I will be doing true crime headlines I was going to but I knew that it was going to get me mad but it's also obviously very important and relevant right we have to talk about I love making Charlie mad
0: (laughs) Because then she gets on that pedestal, yeah. And there ain't no bringing her. I get on my soapbox. She brings out the Italian hand. I do. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Gabagool. Gabagool.
1: There was a um, a shirt I saw advertised on Facebook today because I'm ancient and I still actually log into Facebook, and it was it looked like the Godfather like printing with like the cross being pulled up, but instead of saying Godfather, it said Gabagool. I totally want one.
0: Oh my god,
1: it made me laugh. Mm. Anyway, okay, Whew. So anyway, so this week, so this week's bed crime story, this is a listener story, guys. Yes, we have not had a listener request in a while. And I know we like basically begged for them in the last couple episodes that we've recorded. But we got an Instagram message from one of our listeners, Bryn. Uh, they are a very loyal listener. They've been sending us a lot of DMs and communicating with us a lot. And we we thoroughly appreciate you. We love you so much. Gabriel. Gabriel, Woo! And um, they requested this one. And it is the story of the man of summerton Beach. Now, um, so real quick, my sources for tonight are an article from All That's Interesting published on October 18th of this year. And of course, Wikipedia for fact checking. But when I first started to, or when I first got the request in from Brynn, I was not 100% sure if I had ever heard of this one before, because it's, like, such a vague, like, the man of Summerton Beach sounds, like, very haunted and creepy. It is haunted and creepy. But um, Mm, once I started my research, I was like, hmm, I, I do know this one. So... This is a, um, a very interesting one. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, Brian, I know you said that you believe in us. So I'm going to do my best. Um, and I hope that we do this one justice for you. So. Um, now, we originally were rec- going to record last week. Um, Nikki yeah. can't hang. She's she's an old lady like Jovi and I now and went out to a concert the night before we were going to record. So we did skip a week
0: and died and
1: and like, <laughs> yeah, just like fell out. But the week that I was going to um, tell the story, the day I was going to tell the story was December 1st of 2021. Our story began exactly 73 years from that on December 1st, 1948. Ooh, I yes. fucked everything yes. up. You, d- you know what? You Fucked did. it up. No, but you know what's really funny is as I started writing it and I realized that it was like that day when I was writing it, I was like, that happens to us a lot. I feel like it happens to us a lot. It's happened before. Yes. Or like we're a couple of days before, after an anniversary or a birth date or whatever. So I don't know, man. There's something doody, 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 doody happening on this podcast and it's, it's creepy. So our story begins 73 years ago on the morning of December 1st, 1948, um, I've never sat this close to you.
0: And you're you're touching you too. It's like weird. Like, let me just, no, let me just describe this. She's starting her story and she's just like pointing at the the pop filter. And I'm like, yo. I feel it, man. I get into it. So descriptive.
1: I get into it. And then I keep going. I'm also going to probably hit you a couple of times throughout the story. If you don't
0: hear, you want a pillow for padding? Yeah. Do do I just, maybe you should just hold it? Do I just Just hold it in between us? Yes. Yeah.
1: I am a um as as a italian-american human being I talk a lot with my hands and um I also hit people when something <gasps> excites me me too so Ooh. I think we're gonna be punching each other a lot
0: like- yes it's like, can you believe this I'm all right on the other side the okay room. exactly sorry I just had to let the <clears throat> listeners know what's happening yes so abuse. <laughs> abuse um
1: so December 1st 1948 two amateur jockeys like legit horse jockeys were riding on a beach, on a horse, on horses, two horses. There was two jockeys, two horses. I was like, they're riding. Right. <laughs> I guess they're once. like, lovely night this night. Um, and they found the body of a man propped up against the concrete seawall on the Somerton Beach in Adelaide in the southern shore of Australia. Ooh. So we are setting our scene tonight on the southern shores of Australia. And December is actually summer in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice, beautiful summer night. Anyway. So
0: I want to live in America during our winter time, and then live in Australia during their wait their no. winter time because you want it yeah. to be cool. Yeah, hot and hot. Oh no, hot and
1: hot. So our summertime, their summertime. Yeah, oh, our summertime, our winter time in Australia. Austra- yeah,
0: yes. sorry. Yes, my ma'am. brain's not functioning. <clears throat> it's all right. Um, so
1: the man it definitely was obviously out of place. So not only was he just. Propped up sitting there He was clean shaven He was dressed in a full brown suit And freshly polished shoes Investigators find no signs of trauma Or injury on his body of any kind One of his pants pockets Had been repaired recently With an orange thread And he had the following items In his possession He had a railway ticket to Henley Beach A bus ticket to North Glenelg 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 Sorry, Australians. An American made metal comb. A packet of juicy fruit gum. <gasps> juicy fruit's that old? Juicy fruit's oh, gonna yeah. move you. What? Yeah, man. Tastes so free. It's sweet. Goes right through. 70, you. 73? Uh, no, 1948. Years? 73 1948, years. Yeah.
0: 73 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Juicy fruit. The taste of okay. so, taste of so, taste is gonna move ya. Um,
1: A pack of Army Club brand cigarettes that contain cigarettes from a different brand. So it's like having a pack of marbles with camels inside. Very weird. A handkerchief and a packet of matches. He appeared to be in his 40s or 50s with an with an athletic not an authentic build, an athletic build. <coughs> his arms were tanned and his shoes appeared to be odd or no, no no no. His toes appeared to be oddly mangled as if they were, were in tight shoes over a long period of time. So it possibly suggested that he was a dancer. Mm. Hmm. Um, All of the tags on his clothes had been cut off, and he had no wallet, money, or any identification on him whatsoever.
0: Hmm.
1: Yes. The estimated time of death was approximately 2 a.m. on December 1st, and his body had not been moved after death, which means he died sitting there up against the seawall on the beach. The man's pupils seemed small and unusually shaped. The to man also had blood In his stomach which suggested The presence of some irritant Poison this has led some Investigators to believe that the man had either Digested G- Digitalis or strophanthin Well nope I even spelled it phonetically So digitalis Or strophanthin Which are two lethal poisons that don't Leave a trace in the bloodstream Huh yes Not offering any suggestions to you guys but you'll apparent, get caught but apparently this is 2021, 2021 yes, exactly. bitches welcome to the future well almost 2022 man correct bitches and actually by the time this airs it might be 2022 but who knows uh no it'll be this year maybe i don't know i can't yeah count. it'll, it'll be, be, right be this year
0: before 2022. okay
1: happy new year yeah this actually might be our last episode before the new year okay yeah. so uh Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Um, all attempts to identify the man had failed. Obviously, right? Tags cut out, no wallet, no ID, right. Okay. Neither the FBI nor Scotland Yard had the fingerprints on file. So they weren't able to trace his fingerprints. And although coroners determined that the Somerton man had died of heart failure, they couldn't come up with a cause of death. So obviously his heart failed, but it still could have been due to poison if he ingested poison, right? Police did find the man's abandoned suitcase at the Adelaide Railway Station. It contained the exact same unusual orange thread that was sewn into his pants, and some clothing labeled T. Keen, and was Keen spelt two ways: Keen with an e at the end, and Keen K E A N with no e. Um, but this also yielded no leads. But the,
0: didn't back in the day people used to like put their names in their clothes? Well, yeah, like, the clothing right? was
1: labeled with the name, but they oh, couldn't.
0: Yeah, yeah, clothing labeled okay, T. Sorry. Keen, T. Keen. <laughs> I'm like pointing at you. It right, says right there. Right Um,
1: there. Right there. The most confusing of all the discoveries came a few months later. When performing yet another search of the man's possessions, investigators find a small pocket that had been sewn into the (gasps) waistband of his pants. Inside the pocket was a folded piece of paper that read, Tamam Shud, which is Persian, for it's finished or it's ended, depending on the translation.
0: Ooh.
1: Right? <laughs> fucking sus, man. Super fucking creepy. The words were typed in a very distinctive font and were found to have been torn from a rare New Zealand edition of the Rubiat of Omar Khayyam, a 12th century collection of poetry.
0: How do they find that out?
1: Like, and in this time, right? In right. correct, like Holy super shit. crazy. I know. So police began to search for a copy of the book that matched the specific font. They didn't have any luck finding the book until a man happened to arrive at the police station with a copy. Police were excited to see that the final page of the book was torn out, the page that would have contained the phrase, to mom shoe Why? I
0: know. Crazy. Why do I want to say it's to mom's shoe? Mom's shoe. <laughs> Ma-
1: it's to mom's
0: shoe. Well, that's what I
1: thought you said first. No. <laughs> to mom's shoe um, um shoot. Yes. But the man who brought the in the book claimed to have no knowledge of the Summerton man or even of the book itself. Right? Yeah. Right. Bullshit.
0: Bullshit. bullshit.
1: He reported that in December of the previous year, the month after the Somerton man, the month after the Somerton man's body was discovered, he and his brother-in-law had taken a drive and parked a few yards away from the entrance to Somerton Beach. When they returned to the car, his brother-in-law saw the copy of the Rubia of Omar Khayyam on the ground and picked it up. When the news of the mysterious man of Summerton Beach began to like go crazy in the newspapers, the two men knew that they had something important in their possession and brought it to authorities. Now, inside the book that the investigators now had, they found two unlisted phone numbers and lines of code. I thought you were gonna say the lines of <laughs> Coke.
0: <laughs> I said so <laughs> so I was waiting for Coke. There's cocaine
1: in there. A cocaine. No. Crack cocaine. Uh, code. The first phone number was a dead end, but the second phone number led to a young nurse named Jessica Ellen Thompson, who went by Joe, Joe Thompson, and she lived in Somerton Beach. Now, Joe was reluctant to speak to the police, though she eventually admitted to having gifted a copy of the Rubiat to a man named Alfred Boxall. When the Adelaide police pursued this lead, they discovered that Alfred Boxall was still alive and had the copy given by Joe in his possession. Yes. Though Joe claimed that she didn't know the Summerton man, police did report that she reacted strangely to seeing a plaster cast of his face and actually almost fainted.
0: Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah yes, ma'am. Why do I feel like this is Clue? It's like very yes. like... Yes, it's like I know. That's like the fucking vibes that I'm getting. I'm yes. like, it was... Colonel Mustard with the pipe. In the
1: library with the candlestick. Yes. Yeah.
0: yes, yeah. That's what I'm like. I know. It's crazy.
1: So since the phone number seemed to lead nowhere, the police turned to um, the lines of code. Um, it was faint, jumbled letters that were written in the book. Using a black light, they wrote out the code, but not even the naval intelligence in Australia could crack it. So, apparently still to this day, no one has cracked this code. Bro,
0: I feel like someone on Reddit needs to... For real.
1: For real. Um, With no new leads or evidence found, the Somerton man was laid to rest on June 14th, uh, 1949, 18 months after he was found. It seemed that the mystery may never be solved. Now... In recent years, there have like, been
0: but I see more papers. Yes, but
1: there's so many more pages. In recent years, there have been a number of theories proposed about who the Somerton man may have been and how he came to be on that beach all those years ago. <laughs> the first popular theory was that the Somerton man killed himself after being rejected by Joe Thompson. Some have suggested that Joe, who died in, in 2013, had a son with the Somerton man. Um, Her son and the mystery man showed some similarities in their appearance. So the theory is that the man was rejected from their lives and he possibly decided to end it all. This makes sense for a couple of reasons. So one, the Somerton man had no defensive wounds. So it appears as though he would have, I guess, welcomed his... Um, you know fate. his his fate. Yes, fate. Good good job on giving me the word I needed.
0: You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. Yes, thank you. And you're welcome. <laughs> Two. The Tamam should note seems to connect him to Joe Thompson, since obviously she gave this book out as gifts. Now the juicier theory. Is that the Somerton man was a spy that knew too much? Ooh, I like that. Theory. I know. Me too. Me too. Uh, much better movie that way. His manner of death <laughs> did strike investigators as unusual, especially with the possibility that he was killed using an untraceable poison. Like who else would know that but a spy, right? Oh, yeah. um, or like somebody who would know that. You know what I'm saying? Or we should know that.
0: Why does that remind me of the TikTok? My first day on the job as a spy, and they're, like, swirling and the <laughs> sub, and they like, mm-hmm, Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. fall. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, supporting this theory is the fact that no one um, no one came to claim the body, despite all of the publicity surrounding the case. Like, you would think somebody would be like, yo, that's my distant cousin, twice removed, right? Um, plus, the uncrackable code and the confusing nature of the meaning of "tamam" mom should, something like, um, seems something out of a spy novel. Mm-hmm. Weirder clues have also been found since the Somerton Man was laid to rest. So there was a retired Australian police name, nope. A retired Australian policeman named Jerry Feltis, who wrote the only book published on the case to date. He discovered that a witness in 1950 came forward saying that they had seen one man carrying another on his shoulder the night of November 30th. So the night prior to his body, the Somerton man's body being found. Um, and the question kind of came about, like, could that have been just like a f- a drunk friend helping another drunk friend? Or was it the Somerton man's killer putting him in a place where nobody could find him. The investigation has also since been picked up by Joe Thompson's own daughters. Ooh. They suggest that they could be related to the Somerton man and that both he and their mother could have been involved in a Soviet
0: spy ring. Ooh. I know. did not they take his um, bones and do DNA testing that way? Stay tuned. Oh, Okay. <sighs>
1: I know, right? Sorry. It's a very ominous way that I say that. Jump in the boat. You're jump jump in the boat, jump in the gun.
0: Jump in the gun. Rock yes. in the boat. Rock in the Rock boat. In the boat. <laughs> yes. It's okay. Something the trains <laughs> <laughs> throwing mama from the
1: train. Um, which is a movie. It is. A movie. That's terrible. Um, several possible identifications have been proposed over the years. The Advertiser, which is an Australian newspaper, um, had reported, or when they reported on the discovery of the body, they gave a possible identification as E. C. Johnson, about 45 years old, of Arthur Street, Payneham. Um, Paint him. Paint him. The following day, on the 3rd of December, 1948, E.C. Johnson identified himself at a police station. So it wasn't E.C. Johnson because he was alive. That same day, the 3rd of December, the news, an Adelaide newspaper, published a photograph of the dead man on its front page. I know. I know. Leading. I know. The actual person? Legit a picture of his dead body. Yes. Welcome to 1948.
0: Um, I also think that um, America is completely different than other countries. because oh, I, well, like, yeah. I feel like BBC also is very, like, open with the things that they post and pictures and videos and things like that. Correct. Like, and I don't want
1: to, like, disparage the news from the Adel- from Adelaide, Australia. But, like, it also, I think, depends, too, on what is the reputation of the newspaper. Like, so, like, The Sun in the UK is, like, a tabloid. So they would probably have no problem... Posting an actual picture of a dead body that's versus yeah. like the Times wouldn't type of a thing, you know? Yeah. So, okay.
0: Okay. I mean,
1: again, and that's all conjecture. Again, like no, I'm not fucking around with the sun because I don't want you guys to like you know dig up dirt on me. Please don't.
0: The actual sun is not gonna fuck with you, Charlie.
1: I mean, my turn into ash. <laughs> I do burn very easily. Um, they, it fucks with me every day. I also really hate the sun. Anyhow. Um, didn't I have that conversation I when like we went out a couple was weeks ago? I just choked on your wine. Almost. I did. I did just choke on my wine when you said that. Photograph of the dead man on his front page, leading to additional calls from the public about his possible identity. So, on the 5th of December, the advertiser, the first newspaper I mentioned,
0: mm-hmm.
1: reported that police were searching through military records after a man claimed to have had a drink with the person resembling the dead man at a hotel in Glenelg on the 13th of November. While having their drinks, the mystery man supposedly produced a military pension card bearing the name Solomonson. Solomonson. In early January 1949, two people identified the body as that of 63-year-old former woodcutter Robert Walsh. A third person also viewed the body initially could not identify it Nope, could not identify it. I was putting EDs where they don't exist. But an hour later, contacted police to claim it was indeed Robert Walsh. He stated that the reason he did not confirm this at the viewing was a difference in the color of the hair. Robert Walsh had left Adelaide several months earlier to buy sheep in Queensland, but had failed to return at Christmas as planned. He went missing looking for sheep. Mm. That's, that's a real big... Or he big
0: counted p- too many sheep and fell asleep. Yep,
1: that's a real big pile of sheep. Um, police were skeptical, believing Walsh to be too old to be the dead man. However, the police did state that the body was consistent with that of a man who had been a woodcutter, although the state of the man's hands indicated he had not cut wood for at least 18 months. He had not cut wood. He had wood. not cut wood for at least 18 months. <laughs>
0: I thought you were going to do...
1: What, what's the thing? Like the, chuck? How much wood could a woodchuck chuck, chuck if a woodchuck could chuck with Yeah, I
0: can't do that. Can't do that. Wow, that's like three uh, I gotta glasses put of my, Prosecco in, too. I gotta put my leg down. There's a dog here. Yeah. But he's very cute. I know. I was like, I didn't want to, like... He's allowed to lay wherever the fuck he wants. <clears throat> I didn't want to hurt him. Uh, okay,
1: so any thoughts that a positive identification had been made were squashed. However, when Elizabeth Thompson, one of the people who had earlier... This is a different Thompson, spelled differently, by the way. Not like Joe Thompson. This is a different Thompson. Sorry. I realize now that was confusing. Um, however, when Elizabeth Thompson, one of the people who had earlier positively identified the body as Robert Walsh, retracted her statement after a second viewing of the body, the size of the dead man's leg and the lack of identifiable scar led her to realize the body was not Walsh.
0: Dead man's toe! <laughs> the leg, and I'm like... Uh, so, by
1: early February 1949, there had been eight different, quote, positive identifications of the body, including two men who thought the body was a f- um, was that of a friend of theirs and others who thought it was a missing station worker, a worker on a steamship, or a Swedish man. I <laughs> like it's just like, or a Swedish man. Of all the Swedish mans in the world, it was one of these Swedish mans. Um, detectives from Victoria initially believed the man was. Uh, from there because of the similarity of the laundry marks to those used by several dry cleaning firms in melbourne following publication of the man's photograph in victoria 28 people claimed to know his identity victoria detectives disproved all of the claims and said that other investigations indicated it was unlikely that he was from victoria like like are they guessing you know mm-hmm. a seaman named Tommy Reed from the SS Cycle like okay Australia <laughs>
0: seaman but like
1: Australia can you name your boat something cooler than the SS Cycle like C-Y-C-L-E like a bicycle Love I mean that. unless it's after something like important it might be so sorry Australia I take that back Um, anyway, seaman, Tommy Reed, SS cycle. He was in port at the time and he was thought to be the dead man. But after some of his shipmates viewed the body at the morgue, they stated that they were sure the corpse was not that of Reed's body. By November of 1953, so many years in the future, body had now been buried. Police announced that they had recently received the 251st solution, quote unquote, to the identity of the body from members of the public who claimed to have met or know him. But they said that the only clue of value remained the clothing the man wore. In 2011, an Adelaide woman contacted biological anthropologist Henneberg about an identification card of an H.C. Reynolds that she had found among her father's possessions. So this identification card was a document that had been issued by the U.S. to a foreign seaman during World War I. And it was given to Henneberg in October 2011 for a comparison of the ID photograph to that of the Somerton man. So ID of the dead man versus this document. While Henneberg found anatomical similarities in features such as the nose, lips, and eyes, he believed that they were not as reliable as the close similarity of the ear. Yes. The ear shapes shared by the men were, quote, a very good match. Although Henneberg also found what he called a unique identifier, a mole on the cheek that was the same shape and in the same position in both photographs. Together with the similarity of the ear characteristics, this mole in a forensic case, um, this is a quote from um, Henneman, Henneberg, Henne what? Henneberg. Uh, together with the similarity of the ear characteristics, the mole in a forensic case would allow me to make a rare statement positively identifying the Somerton man. So, mole in ears. Mm.
0: I mean, ears are, I feel like ears are very distinctive. Correct. And like,
1: you can't change your ears. I mean, you can't really change your nose either, but you can change your lips, right? Um, You know? You could change your nose. Yeah, I was gonna say, you could
0: totally change your nose. like a nose job.
1: Oh, well, yeah. But I'm thinking like in the 40s. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, boopity boop. The ID card was issued, like I said, in the U.S. on February twenty eighth, nineteen eighteen, to an H.C. Reynolds, giving his nationality as British, and his age is eighteen. Searches conducted by the U.S. National Archives and the U.K. National Archives and the Australian War Memorial Research Center, R.E. Center, not E.R. Center. Um, have failed to find any records relating to H.C. Reynolds. The South Australia Police Major Crime Branch, which is very wordy for, like, the crime bureau, um, would still have the case listed as as opened. Nope. The South Australia Police Major Crime Branch, who still have the case listed as open, will investigate the new information. Um, Some independent researchers believe the ID card belonged to a Horace Charles Reynolds hc reynolds a tasmanian man who died in 1953 and therefore could not have been the Summerton man was that your tasmanian, tasmanian devil? devil that's exactly what that was mm-hmm. my tasmanian devil
0: that
1: was yes. my
0: cat's first name mm-hmm. taz my first fucking psycho my
1: first hamster's name was taz
0: oh also she, a psycho had yeah. red
1: eyes and hissed at me when i tried to take him out of the cage
0: my cat my cat ran around in circles like at the little adoption thing and i remember being little and was like that's my cat yeah and my mom was like great <laughs> Man, that's great
1: <laughs> though i did like taz actually my sister's friend had come over our house once um still don't like this person to this day and he was holding taz and taz vomited in his hand <gasps> didn't even know that hamsters could vomit vomited it in this person's he hand.
0: head was like
1: i don't like you. this guy either mom <laughs> I was like, that's right, Taz, puke in his hand. <laughs> uh, all right. <clears throat> Answers may be coming soon. In May 2021, the body of the Summer Man was exhumed and will be tested for DNA. And only time will tell whether these results will finally close the Tamam Shud case. For good, hell yeah, yes. That's and a lot, man. That's a lot.
0: Very mysterious, very, but there's so many possibilities. Yeah. Yes.
1: yes. The very twisty turny, very spy novely. But yeah, I, uh,
0: I'm excited to hear back about the DNA. Me too. I'm
1: super excited to hear about I love that DNA, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna thank Brent again for giving us this case. That was a hey, really, Bryn. really great job. One. Um, we think you're really groovy. So uh, thank you for listening and sending in your suggestion. And you too can send in a suggestion, my friends. By emailing us at Bed Stories at, nope, Bed Crime Stories pod at gmail.com. You can also send us a DM on Instagram, which is what Brynn did. So, you know. Slide into be our like, DMs. Slide into our DMs, Be like Bryn. Um, And that is Bed Crime Stories on Instagram. It's also Bed Crime Stories on Twitter, but like, let's face it. I don't- Doing on Twitter. We also have a TikTok. Um, we also have, have a TikTok not that is really... yeah zero posts. So <clears throat> we'll just go with Instagram. So we're just gonna stick with Instagram. That's like what we know. That's what we do. Because again, we're we old. work a lot. We work a lot, and we're old, and we understand Instagram, and we don't understand those other ones. Same. Um, yeah. Like subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Um, do I usually say anything else? I said socials. Be I nice. said like nah, nah, nah. be nice. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Be nice to one another. Um... And uh, I hope you guys have a great new year. I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season. Merry holidays. Merry holidays. Ho, ho, hee, ha, hoo. That's uh, uh, non-denominational Santa Claus. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was like, what's happening there? What is happening? Uh, but yes, I thought I hope that everybody had a great holiday season, whatever you celebrate or if you don't celebrate at all. I hope you just had a great December and um, that 2021 um, is leaving you well and that 2022 yes. finds you even better. Um, we think you all are really awesome. Thank you so much for listening to us. We love you guys so much. Um, thank you for sticking around for as long as you have. I think we're all slowly going insane, but we appreciate you all so much. We'll talk to you all next week, though. So, But until then, sweet
0: dreams. dreams.